Gavin, I've got Jed Mills alongside me as well, and I'm delighted to say now we're going to head to Mexico. We're going to get the very latest from South America, and John Pomfilio is with us. Very morning to you, John. How are you doing, buddy? Good, Will. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. Thank you very well indeed. Thank you for uh, for taking the time out to chat with us this morning and for still coming on, even though Martin's on his, uh, in his own words, staycation. Well, I, I, I nearly boycotted it, and I thought. I understand that he is uh, a man that people are incredibly loyal to, but uh, I will do my best to bring something of a semblance of Kellner to proceedings, if I can. Um Let's talk about the latest in South America. And let's start off with, uh, rather than the football, with the, the latest, the latest goings on in, in Colombia. It's, it's not a good situation there at the moment. It isn't. And it's really sad because Colombia for the last maybe five years has probably had, you know, the most peaceful five years in its history of the last three generations. Um, economy picking up, you know, relative peace and quiet on on the streets people you know within a certain context being able to to go about their daily lives outside of the context of this massive civil war which basically you know scarred it's no overstatement to say that it scarred every colombian family to some extent since you know the early 60s to around about 2015 20 2016 the fundamentals on the ground are that over the course of the last couple of weeks, 42 different people, mostly uh, young men, have been assassinated uh, in different parts of the country. And the UN have set up um, a monitoring team there as, the, as of the beginning of the year, and they've measured um, 33 separate massacres there. Essentially, this uneasy peace accord, which, which came in a few years ago, is beginning to unravel. The government isn't particularly interested um, in it, the FARC fighters, the armed revolutionary forces of Colombia, the Maoist fighters that were, you know, the counter-governmental force throughout those three generations, um, they laid down their weapons and a lot of their fighters went out to be kind of reinserted into society. But essentially, they're now being picked off by criminal groups, paramilitary gangs. And where you had these, you know, you had them in particular, but also other um, paramilitary organizations holding power over that period, which was terrible in and of itself. Now you've got organized crime moving into these areas and they don't want any semblance of what's, you know, of, of the historical legacy of, of what took place there. So they're basically going around the country taking hits at people. Um, and that's essentially what's, what's taking place there. There is a massive power vacuum and lawlessness is re-entering large parts of rural Colombia as we speak. Absolutely uh, horrific and kind of feels uh, weird to go from that to sport, that point of, of conversation. But uh, yeah, there is plenty of South American conversation from a sporting perspective to get into. I mean, Lionel Messi already, unsurprisingly, has been a topic on this show. Um, we are legally required to talk about him for at least one segment of all shows on, on all sports radio right now. Um, but there, there has been a, a push for him to go back to Argentina. Yeah, his, his old club, um, Newell's Old Boys, one of the oldest clubs in Argentina, um, established in 1903. They're very keen on having him back. When, when you say have him back, it's kind of strange because he left there when he was 13 to go to Barcelona. So it's not as though, you know, he had an illustrious history with the club. But remarkably, um, although I guess not so surprisingly with all things Argentinian football, there have been massive demonstrations in the city of Rosario, which is uh, where Newell's Old Boys, the club, is based, uh, calling for 
uh, for Leo Messi to go back this week. I thought it it, it calmed down a little bit midweek because they said that they'd taken the banners down from the football stadium. And I thought, okay, well, you know, they're they're moving on. But it's because they moved it to the National Monument instead (laughs) in the city. So they they decided to scale it up rather than than scale it down. Um, I think the chances of... I mean, I, I wouldn't discount Leo Messi going back to, in particular, Argentina at some point in the future. I can't see it happening now. The only thing that, that, you know, in my head rings a bell to say there's an outside chance of it happening is that there is precedence. Uh, Maradona went back at, uh, to Argentina, in fact, to play for Newell's Old Boys uh, at the age at which Messi is uh, is now. But I think we live in a very different footballing landscape now to, you know, when Maradona was 33. Yeah, undoubtedly. And you've seen other players more recently do it, like Carlos Tevez going back. But it felt like his career had kind of petered out in Europe at that point, and plus he was still able to go and earn big money in China during that period of time. So it, it, that made some more sense. You know, Lionel Messi, I think, is the idea is that even at 33, he can still do it at the very top end in at the very best clubs, which is you know, where he'll end up if he does leave Barcelona. What's what's the kind of state of Argentinian football like right now? Um, I mean, obviously, in a in a current pandemic context, it's it's non-existent. But if you look at you know the pre-pandemic recent past, I mean, Argentina regularly scores you know chart in the top ten leagues um, internationally. Um, they there's been a lot of toing and froing in terms of different formats over the course of the league with them trying to get, really get a foothold in terms of not just uh, a national market because you know Argentinians are, are crazy for, for football. In that country, but they've been trying to sort of leverage the, 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 their Premier League, their first division, into an international market. So they keep chopping and changing with the structure. As things stand, there's there's 26 teams, and they play a fairly standard uh, round robin. So I guess that's you know pretty pretty well versed and and expected. And really, the, there's a lot of uh, clubs there with with major history, but the two that really stand out, which I think you know most football fans internationally will have heard of. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, uh, Boca Juniors and, and River Plate, uh, which have won, who have won 34 and 36 uh, tournaments between themselves, and there is utter hatred in that in that rivalry. In fact, a, a British newspaper about 10 years ago compared it to the old firm Derby and said that the old firm was uh, a primary school kickabout compared to Derby Day in Buenos Aires. I, I, I've seen the, what the atmosphere gets like there, and obviously we have what happened with the. Um with the big continental tournament in South America, the people might be familiar with in the, uh, you know, games got abandoned, games nearly didn't happen. Yeah. You know, that's a rivalry going to a whole other level. So it's uh, always a shame to see. But at the same time, I love the passion. I mean, I get to watch a bit of football in um, my wife's half Chilean. So I get to watch a bit of football there while I'm over visiting family. And, and South American football fans are, there's a reason they've got the reputation they have. They never stop the whole game, and when they are behaving themselves, which most of the time they are, they are as passionate and joyful and as good as any fans in the world. And so, I, you know, I implore people to give it a chance if they ever get a chance to go out there and see a live game. But you know, it's a shame that that's the kind of reputation no, that ends up carrying over. I, th- I think you're totally right, and I, I would say, you know, the vast majority of, of football matches that you would go to in 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 and across Latin America, from top divisions to you know, local local kickabouts, people would be incredibly well received. And actually, uh, I've been to, to plenty of English football stadiums, which are, you know, much more intimidating than a than a Latin American equivalent. Notwithstanding, there are definitely some rivalries in the different countries, you know, which you're 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 better off watching, 
you know, from the quiet and peace of your of your living room, and Boca Juniors and River Plate is definitely one of those. Uh, finally, can we get an update on Ronald Junior and his uh, his Paraguayan, uh, ex- let's say, uh, exploits? He's out finally. Our friend Ronnie Ronaldinho, ex Barcelona, Barcelona in the news again, um, has been released from uh, from essentially being held in Paraguay. I mean, he was held in a prison for only one month and then was was released because of the coronavirus fears of infection and then has been under house arrest in uh, Paraguay's Asuncion's most famous and upmarket um, hotel where they were the only, him and his brother and manager were, were the only guests. Essentially, they tried to cross into Paraguay uh, for an event about five months ago and had been issued with uh, fake documents. I mean, I'm not sure how you don't realise that your documents are, are fake when doing something like this, but I guess if you are somebody as famous as Ronaldinho, you probably don't check your documents as you move as you move between countries. The authorities were waiting for them, picked them up, and essentially there's a whole criminal ring uh, between the border between uh, Brazil and, and Paraguay that is, uh, you know, working on these uh, on this illegal documentation, and they were basically stung, and then they've done time. Um, lots of incredible footage of Ronaldinho in prison yard kickabouts. And in a story I missed, actually, from the time, he actually was um, given a pig um, mm-hmm. in, in the prison for playing so well in one of the competitions. But essentially, he's been they've both been released, him and his brother. Ronaldinho can go back to Brazil now. Um, he doesn't have to report back to Paraguay or any Brazilian authorities. Uh, the instructions, the judicial instructions are a bit harsher for, for his brother. He's not allowed to leave Brazil uh, over the course of a couple of years, and he has to present himself to to a judge every so often. Essentially, they the authorities think that the brother knew more than than he was letting on about in terms of what took place. But probably the last we'll speak of um, in this context, in terms of Ronaldinho and the Paraguayan prison system. John, appreciate your time. Uh, wonderful stuff as always. Uh, Continue doing your fine work. John Monfilio joining us from Mexico for the latest on the action in South America. Coming up this hour, we'll have Simon Watts to talk about.